Welcome to the third one sucks where we rank every movie in a franchise from first to worst. I'm Dan Ellis. I'm Mark Bell. Mark, you lost it for me. You lost it for yourself. What are we going to talk about today, Mark? D2, The Mighty Ducks. A sports comedy film written by Stephen Brill, directed by Sam Weiserman, and distributed by Walt Disney Pictures. D2 The Mighty Ducks premiered on March 25th, 1994, and stars Emilio Estevez, Jan Rubisch, Joshua Jackson, Catherine Irby, and Marguerite Moreau, among others. What's our fan review for this here movie? Our fan review this week comes from Rotten Tomatoes fan reviews, and it's from Matthew Malloy, left a year ago, who said, One star, where are the Canadian? We are the best at hockey. Who the hell is Iceland as hockey players? Um, nope. And beat the Americans. All that time? And then we have Wayne Gretzky, who is Canadian? What the F? Who wrote the script for this movie? <laughs> There's nothing I enjoy more than Canadian indignation about hockey. It's one of my favorite flavors of indignation. He took Get Indignant to heart from that last film. <laughs> really did. Review. I, I know that my inflection is all over the place there, but like, I'm just, I am literally just reading what has been given to me. And <laughs> should we get into it? When's the first time you saw this movie? Somewhere, probably early April, 1994 in the movie theater. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cause I really like that first one. And as I've mentioned before, my family and I went to a lot of movies. I'm a movie boy from way back. <laughs> yeah. And anything that was in this sort of like a movie for the whole family kind of space mm-hmm. was absolute prime target for for my parents to take us to. Ah <laughs> uh, man, I'm trying to I'm trying to put myself back into the headspace of a 1994 little me. Sure, and sure. <laughs> I don't think that I saw this in theaters, but I do remember watching the hell out of it. Yeah, on like. TV, like all the time watching this movie. Yeah, I think this would have been like right in that era where like it's 94. I think 94 is the year that like Sonic the Hedgehog 3 and Sonic and Knuckles both came out. Okay. Um, so I think like that's mostly that what I feels was doing, right. <laughs> playing the hell out of Sonic and Knuckles and then watching D2 the Mighty Ducks. <laughs> this is this feels like it's right around Space Jam time, maybe a little before. What do we have a ETA on Space Jam? When, when did that come out? I feel like Space Jam was right in like Space Jam had to be It's in this like mid 90s. Yeah, it's in this area. If, that almost feels like 96 to me. Oh, it feels a little later for some reason, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Uh, Let us know, listener. Get real indignant with us uh, as per (laughs) Coach Bombay's instruction and tell us how wrong we are about the release date of perennial classic Space Jam starring Michael Jordan and Flat Newman. Well, let's get into this movie, Mark. Let's talk about it's. I mean, it's a movie. Yeah. So it is okay to use that term. (laughs) I like this movie. I have a lot of happy Mm -hmm. memories of this movie. We open on a sort of cut together montage, 
part of it we've seen before. It's young Gordon Bombay skating on the ice pond, some reused footage from the last movie, but it's interspersed with like 32 year old Gordon Bombay skating for a minor league hockey team. And and then it immediately does any like forward momentum, I guess, in his story and is like, we're, I'm going to hit you in the knee real hard. Yes. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that's what's called a charge in hockey terms. Yeah, I never know where this entire franchise stands on fucking someone up on the ice. It just, <laughs> it seems to come and go as it, as they please. Like, at least to somebody on the outside of hockey, I'm just like, so sometimes it's okay to romanticize a violence in hockey, but in other times they should never be doing it. And I think it, just comes down to is it happening to our characters i mean <laughs> if it is it's bad and if what we're you doing have it just other described people, it's good. is the general professional hockey approach to violence anyway <laughs> like this it comes sports, and goes right? it comes and goes sometimes sometimes they enforce the rules sometimes they don't because people like hitting and so <laughs> like it's important that it stays in the sport all right so yeah so bombay gets kneecapped in the beginning of the move like in the opening credits to sort of explain why he's not playing professional hockey instead of coaching small children playing hockey. They had to get us back to that status quo real quick, and they said, just do what the first movie did. Yeah. Um, yep. <laughs> we then go back home to, I guess, close around Minneapolis, Minnesota, <laughs> where, you know, the Mighty Ducks happen. And here to pick up Bombay at the airport, it's not Hans, it's his brother Jan. <laughs> Yes. Did Hans die? Did the actor die between one and two? Is that what? I feel like something like that happened. Uh, inexplicably, Hans will be back for the third movie. Well, okay. If I recall correctly. We'll, we'll uh, see. It's been it's been about a year since I saw that one. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why. And the weird thing about, like, there's a very brief minute, right, where Jan explains it. He's like, listen, Hans went back to the old country to visit mom for a bit. It's fine. But then throughout the rest of the movie, the movie pretends as though Hans and Jan are completely interchangeable. And, like, yeah. Jan has been clearly, like, running the skate shop and has known uh, Bombay as long as Hans did. And, like, it is wild to the degree to which they are just, like, the same person. We're, yeah, for the, as far as the plot is concerned, they're the same guy. It doesn't matter. Assumedly, just because like it was written with Hans in that role, and then when they couldn't get the actor back, they're like, "All right, well, just like give us a throwaway line about the old country and move on." Mm-hmm. So, like, th- when did that first movie come out? Ninety two? Is that right? ninety two? Yep. Okay, so this is two years later. How long has Bombay been doing his hockey thing, is my question. Because Charlie also comes to like into the picture pretty quickly here. And right. just the fact that like his mom is remarried all of a sudden is like one good because we all I feel like everyone on Earth agrees that there was no chemistry there. But <laughs> Two, it just seems like a weird way to like hurry her off screen and never bring her up again. <laughs> sure. Like, oh, absolutely. She also gets a throwaway line of like, yeah, I think, I think Jan tells Bombay like, yeah, Charlie's been spending a lot of time here since his mom remarried. Mm, Implying, right. I guess, that Charlie is unhappy with his stepdad. I don't know. 
I guess Charlie doesn't get to be a character in this movie. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, Charlie is really, uh, really takes a backseat. We'll talk about that because we're going to talk a lot about the characters in this film, I think, because that's really what this movie yeah. is. Right. If there's anything to this film. But yeah, this whole like skate sharpening scene is just here to sort of set the stage for the movie, right? Gordon's back from yeah. from the minor leagues. Charlie is here. Here's why we're not dating mom. Oh, mm-hmm. turns out that Jan is pals with like the director of whatever, whatever at the Junior Goodwill Games and they need a coach. And it's John Tibbles who ends up being like the the rich man that we're supposed to. He's more of like an oaf in this movie than yeah, he uh, is of like Don Tibbles. Weird. Don Tibbles. Don Tibbles. I, I'm disappointed on so many fronts with it being Don Tibbles being the name. I just, <laughs> I, I don't love it. I do wish that Jan and Hans had a third brother named Don, and that it was <laughs> it was spelled like Dan, but it was pronounced Don. <laughs> but yeah, Mr. Tibbles is uh, he's here. He's in charge of I think the American Junior Goodwill Games collective like i don't think he's just the boss of junior goodwill games hockey i think he's like the american like the guy in charge of the american teams plural okay right but yeah turns out the junior goodwill games are coming up in scant few months and they are lacking a coach also you know just by happenstance lacking an entire team (laughs) they don't have a team look the movie's got to happen so (laughs) i guess we're just gonna roll with it i have long stood by my supposition that the pitch perfect trilogy is just the mighty ducks trilogy a chromo variant of the mighty ducks trilogy and this is right the first one is like ah this weird scrappy collection of underdogs who don't look or behave like the normal thing are going to come out of nowhere and shock the world like we put all the weirdos together they're gonna like find whatever and they're gonna become a team and it's gonna be and then the second one is like inexplicably you guys are representing the united states in an international competition yeah i think like stick with me here (laughs) (laughs) I think that both the Mighty Ducks and Pitch Perfect are just secretly live action sports anime. Yo, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Because yep. they all just have their special thing that they do real good, like their <laughs> yep. special move or whatever else that actually defies any like real world like <laughs> logic and explanation. And they all just have to be these like scrappy shonen protagonist underdogs yep, who come from behind and, and win it all. And every few episodes, we have to have a minute that highlights one or more of each character's like weird specialty skills. Right, right. I yep. assume Jake Mason's just real into all of these things. Yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah. It seems right. I feel like <laughs> I feel like Jake Mason could pop out from underneath either one of our beds right now and just be like, "Hey, are y'all doing a podcast about a thing I really like?" <laughs> That's how on the nose this feels. So I think you're right. The, the Mighty Ducks and uh, Pitch Perfect have some significant thematic overlap for sure. So now we're going to use a duck call, you know, what hunters use to attract ducks, and we're going to round up yeah. the ducks. Yeah, that's how that works. Sure. <laughs> the ducks that matter. If they right. if we didn't like them from that last movie, <laughs> they're not here. Yeah. So Charlie's going to get get his you know his inline skates on. I think we were still calling them inline skates and not rollerblades in 1990 
for and he's gonna just like go and i love a like getting the gang back together that's a theme that i really like and this this little montage definitely works for me i have a good time with it get the getting the team back together uh, but you are right we there are eight of them total i think there are eight ducks it turns out <laughs> we have lost tammy and tommy we have lost terry who is jesse's younger brother we've lost mm-hmm. carp we've lost peter we've lost philip and i think that's it here's the thing that aside from uh timmy and tammy can you right. tell me what any of those characters did or who those characters were from the first yeah movie? and honestly <laughs> tammy, sure tammy was the only interesting one of of even of the two and she's just like straight up replaced by ken Wu. like that's what ha- that's what happens there Ken Wu yeah, is here I, doing Tammy's shtick. I almost like, I like this balance better, I think. I think rather than having the girl one who does the figure skating, right, it's right, much yeah. more compelling to have, like, rather than the white girl who does the figure skating, we have the Asian boy who does the figure yeah. skating. And that's yeah. just, that's more interesting to me. And it rounds out the cast better. Yes. And we do get to pick up Julie the Cat Gaffney doing, uh, like, like so uh, uh, Connie is not the only girl on the team. Yes, we do. We have to have the two girl ones for sure. <laughs> and I'm glad that even though she doesn't get to do much in this movie, that she's here. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll talk about the cat in a minute because uh, we got some ringers coming in. So we round up the eight the eight ducks who <laughs> who survived the movie too. It's a fun collection. I'm honestly not entirely sure how Guy made the cut, other than he's still dating Connie. That's enough. I mean, look, yeah, if, fair. <laughs> if I was coaching Little League hockey, I saw those two dating. I would be like, well, this kid's got something going for him. Clearly, sure, sure. So I need him on my team because otherwise this is inexplicable. Well, it can be it, it can be argued across the arc of the trilogy that after Adam Banks, either Connie or Jesse is like the strongest skater and shooter. So you're going to want to bring Connie mm-hmm. along. And that means bringing Guy with you. Yeah, for sure. You can't break up the power couple. Like you said, they are in game. They go the distance. They and absolutely I, do. That's incredible. <laughs> I'm so proud of that boy. Yeah. So all right. So we round up the ducks. They they are it, like they're having fun. There's a brief minute where the hawks, like four hawks, show up for absolute, <laughs> they have cameos. Like, yeah. Two years later, they're still they still cannot deal. <laughs> They're like, I, we're still mad at these kids that we lost to in Little League two years ago. Despite the fact that we are all clearly in high school now, this really chaps. Yeah, we look, we were middle school bullies last time. We're middle school bullies forever. <laughs> I will point out at this point, that, so there are currently eight ducks, and then we're going to okay. shift very quickly into meeting what Don Tibble says. We brought in some ringers. He's talking to uh, Michelle McKay, who is the team's tutor. She's going to be mm-hmm. like the other main adult figure in this movie we're gonna have coach bombay and uh teacher mckay like those are the two adults that are around we gotta have a the, a new like love interest for bombay <laughs> yeah yep yep and so don says like we got some ringers then we meet the five new characters who we're gonna talk about here in just a second but that gives us a grand total of 13 players Tell me about it, Mark. Tell me, talk hockey to me. <laughs> and two of those players are goalies. So that means you have 11 total skaters. Okay. Total. So at most, you've got two 
two scoring lines and two defensive pairings. And that's it. That's it for the whole, like most teams have four minimum, like having, having 15 people would be considered like a really light. That's not enough to pull off a game roster. And somehow we're rolling with 11 skaters. Yeah. Well, ducks fly together. So don't think about it. It's very true. (laughs) And listen, there's only so much screen time to go around. Poor Guy is already barely in this movie. Right. You know, if they didn't cut all those old characters, they'd have plenty. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but let's let's talk about the ringers, because we like very, very quickly we meet. And it gives us a little like Don Tibbles is explaining each of them as they show off a bit. So we've got Dean Portman, who is just like Fulton Reed 2.0, like they're tailor-made for each other these are the bash bros like he's just a big tough guy he wears a bandana on his head that's how you know he's hardcore oh you yeah that's that's the one and he's got a hockey tattoo yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he listens to noted hardcore rocker bachman turner oh overdrive I, mark i cannot wait to talk about the fact that they listen to bto <laughs> it is absurd in this movie that this is what happens during the, they're like put on some tunage to, and they're rocking out and it's fucking bachman turner overdrive good old canadian dad rock bachman turner overdrive what the fu- come on it, we are the height of grunge in the 90s yep and they chose this fucking butt-ass dad rock to be like pouring out of the speakers whenever they're like these rebellious youth figures it's it's I can't. I, I can't, Mark. It took me out of the movie. <laughs> uh, we've also got uh, Dwayne Robertson. Yeah, the hick. Who, by the way, currently here in these modern times is a member of the Professional Rodeo Cowboy Association, specializing oh, wow. in roping and steer wrestling. I love it. So I, that's, that's pretty fun. <laughs> I need to know if he sucks. That's what I need to know. Like, right. <laughs> Ken Wu, right. Who is, as we said, Tammy Duncan, but better. Yep. But better and more interesting. Louise Mendoza is our, uh, speed skater, right. Played by Mike Vitar. And his whole deal is he's fast. He's, he's fast as, uh, as you can believe. This is fun because, Mike Vitar, the actor, also played Benny the Jet Rodriguez in The Sandlot. Okay, okay. Which is to say he played another sports character whose entire deal was, he's so fast. He's so fast. And of course, saving the bet for last, Julie the Cat Gaffney. Yes, of course. I love all five of these additions. Yeah, these are real good characters that are being added to this uh, group of... It just replaced a lot of the other boring, like, milk toast background white boys that were yeah. <laughs> in there before. <laughs> yep. I think we've upgraded across the board here, with the exception of maybe Jesse's little brother. But he was barely a character anyway. He was just yeah. around as Jesse's little brother. Yeah, we do get, while he's not one of the five ringers, we are going to bring in Keenan Thompson as Russ Tyler as sort of a sixth ringer, eventually. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, on the whole, we have really raised the diversity quota of this film from a bunch of white kids from the heart of Minnesota. For sure. And we don't ever have to hear the term Oreo line ever again. Never, ever again. (laughs) This does serve to prove your point about this feeling like an anime, though, because as Tibbles is introducing them all, he's basically calling them all out for their skill, right? Like, there's Dean Portman. Yeah, he's like, this is so tough. 
it feels like they're lining her up and they're like, this is their special power. This is their, <laughs> yep. like, this movie, even more than the first one, it's like, this is the thing that they're like, I feel like Professor X has the X-Men lined up and he's like introducing them to the new recruit. He's like, this is, <laughs> yep, Cyclops absolutely. has a, a dimension to a <laughs> dimension of pure energy behind his eyeballs that he can access and shoot these percussive blasts. This is Logan. He's got a metal skeleton now, right. but his real thing is that he can heal himself and stab people real good. My my favorite of this in the in, within the introduction is Dwayne Roberts in the Cowboy because Don Tibbles is like, he's the best puck handler I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And they cut to a montage of Dwayne Robertson never touching the puck. His whole, <laughs> and like they add little gunshot sound effects, I guess, to like shush it up. Pew pew. Yeah. But all he's doing is like skating, and the skating sound effects are just forth. like underscoring his very subtle like shift in weights, and that is it. He doesn't touch the puck. Like he tips it up in the air once or twice. That is all. <laughs> There's a, that's that's the first time of a few times these weird over the top sound effects happen in this movie <laughs> that make me go if that was a choice this was yeah. I I kind of I almost applaud it Mark it's, it's this weird thing is that like I recognize that it's absurd and ridiculous but I kind of miss it in movies where they yeah, just commit yeah. to this ridiculousness <laughs> you just need like a slide uh, whistle somewhere yeah. <laughs> I like the exchange there about like he's the best puck handler I've ever seen and then Bombay's like you mean in like junior hockey right no I don't like he's that good he's like the he's, best human person to ever do this right. Wayne Gretzky actually appearing in this movie later has nothing mm. on weird cowboy no Wayne Gretzky sucks ass next to cowboy <laughs> kangaroo over whatever his fucking name is hop along Gretzky is that what yep. we is that what they call him? <laughs> Way better than regular Gretzky. <laughs> it is fun though. Like the montage works. The get the getting the team back together montage works. The meet the five ringers montage works. This movie has energy coming out of the gate. Uh, it's silly, and you already, I think, especially by the time the gunshot sound effects, like the six shooter sound effects are kicking and you realize like oh this is this movie is as you put in our chat like you can sense the mm, the yeah how, how'd you say it like the the it's disney channel it's like, original movie energy yeah you can see where the disney channel original movies got their like whole energy from this movie yeah because that they was took, such a they, good observation they took all of the like this is a special anytime fucking Tibbles opens his mouth, I'm like the Disney Channel original movie. Every time he <laughs> says goddamn anything in this movie, it's the hackiest, cheesiest delivery of the hackiest, cheesy dialogue ever. And you can see like the beginnings of that sort of thing that they put into these like Disney Channel original movies starting kind of here <laughs> in the like mid to early nineties. Thousand percent. The tone has noticeably shifted from that first movie, which like was, you know, I, I feel like took itself way more seriously than this. It movie was, did. Yeah, it was it was a more earnest movie in some way. Yeah, I think maybe to its detriment, sure. surprisingly, <laughs> because it's ultimately about a bunch of kids with hockey superpowers playing hockey right. against each other. Right. And you can do, I mean, again, we, we compared this to sports anime. There's a way to do that and make it earnest and make it good. But the tone of that first movie just felt so dry compared to this one, which at least yeah. feels like it has a life to it, even if it's just <laughs> schmaltzy and corny. For better or worse, Disney is very good at like finding and iterating on a formula. Yeah, that's I mean, that's why 
they have all the money i guess <laughs> so we're gonna get a bit of like some practice and things after we meet the skaters bombay's gonna bring them all together as a team they're gonna work on like moving as one he's gonna get Dwayne to like rope people for, for practice reasons. purposes yeah <laughs> it's a it's a good like hey we're beca- we're bonding it's a team bonding sort of man i didn't realize until i think a recent rewatch how much of this particular movie is just montages there's so it many is. montage cuts in there's this a lot of montages in this film for sure this like <laughs> i just it's it baffles me that we have this section where he's just roping people up. I'm like, what was the practical purpose of this? Why was, <laughs> no what idea. were you teaching? And but like, it's, I don't know. It's weird. These sports movies are always like, they have this part where the coach is like, I'm going to make you kids do something really weird. We're going to Mr. Miyagi this shit. But instead of actually teaching you muscle memory, like Mr. Miyagi was in the karate kid, He's just finding weird ways to be abusive to these children. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to tie you all together and make you fall down over and over again. I'm going to have this, uh, this boy from Austin, Texas chase you around the skating rink and rope all of you up for what reason? I don't know. I don't Unclear. know why he's doing that. <laughs> it's, it's fun to see all the players and like the kids, the actors are clearly having a lot of fun. There's really good energy. Basically, anytime any group of these kids is on screen together, there's a very fun energy to it. You can tell they're having fun. <laughs> I noted here, uh, like in the practice scene, as it's just kind of like giving us a few minutes to track each character, that young Mark's crush on Connie definitely persisted through this film. Uh, okay, okay. And young Mark definitely also had a crush on Louise Mendoza, a.k.a. Benny the Jet, a character that I love in both of those films. <laughs> Well, that's fair. That's fair. I can totally see that. Man, I want a reason to watch The Sandlot for this podcast so badly. I watched that film so many times. <laughs> we tried so hard to crack that we egg. Of like, how can we just? How can we just watch a bunch of like s- sport <laughs> boy movies, movies? Like, yeah, like ragtag group of like, how do we sew that together and make it cohesive? And I don't think we ever came up with. <laughs> no. A good enough reason so we're doing the mighty ducks instead because it's but the at one least that i got uh benny on. the jet in the form of louise mendoza basically playing yeah. the same character which is he's yeah, the very fast and pretty sports boy he is a very fast and pretty sports boy so i'm glad that <laughs> like if you're gonna get typecast there are definitely worse ways sure. to fall into that so we move from the very fun practice montage to a bit of really earnest jingoism <laughs> yeah i god this movie is so <laughs> there's so many american there, flags in this movie <laughs> there's so many moments in this movie where i'm like this feels <laughs> this feels not great uh, uh there's like particularly we're not there yet but i'll i'll bring it up when we get there but there's a part later on that i especially i was like this is a weird thing to be upset about <laughs> why are they so upset about this <laughs> <laughs> but yeah just a lot of really ardent nationalism happening in yeah. this film where i'm just like can we go back to being about the greater minnesota area and and we're all just wearing duck jerseys and working in our local communities yeah um that'd be i'd like that more i would like that part of it a little more it was i mean aside from just like uncomfortable jingoism that accompanies 
basically any international sporting competition. Uh, yeah. There was a bit towards the end because it's like the professors teaching them about like, well, the Olympics started in Greece and like Greece is an old country and America is a young country and et cetera. Mm-hmm. Why are they talking about the Olympics during the Goodwill Games? Good question. Good question. <laughs> Who knows? But the coach, there, there, uh, again, aside from the uncomfortable jingoism, kind of near the end, the coach is like, well, but America is a young country. It hasn't even figured out what it wants to be yet. And let me tell you, <laughs> 20 some years later. I feel like we always have kind of been this shit. I mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we figured it out at the beginning. Like, listen, we showed up on this country and killed a bunch of people and took their land and then got aggrieved right, right. about it. Right. Then we got really, we got indignant. It's, it's the next right. way. It's, Absolutely. Bombay's an all American. He was the right choice for this team. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that, that bit of weird jingoism aside, we're then going to watch uh, the ducks or team USA, just like picking up some easy wins against Italy and Trinidad and Tobago. It's, it's, we're just going to see them being good at hockey while playing some teams that are not as good at hockey. Basically yeah, this is here to give a background to Bombay becoming an ass again, but also to introduce us to Russ, who is the character yeah. played by Keenan, who's going to be in the audience taunting the Americans. Yeah. Here's the, here's, here's the thing that I really like about this movie is um, not necessarily all of Russ's insults, but I like Russ's presence because what it does is it makes Averman more likable. Yeah. <laughs> like, Averman no longer has to constantly be doing bits and making like between like we get to divide all of these different like personality and he balances out um, Jesse as well. Having Russ there to where like it doesn't make any of these kids like a complete little shit that you're so annoyed with all the time. (laughs) Right. Right. It helps spread those personality traits out a bit and it recontextualizes them. And it, I think, makes their character stronger and less one note as a result, even though we get less of Averman in this film. We like what we do get of him. He feels more like just like a, a awkward kid and less like shut the fuck up or there's a movie yeah. happening. Can I just watch yeah. the movie? He's not a tiny stand up comic. R- trying his damnedest to be a stand up yeah. comic. <laughs> he's more. He feels. He seems like that first movie was good for the character of Averman. He feels like more self assured and like. Yep. He, he's more confident in what is and is not funny and like what works. Yeah. Yeah, there is a minute somewhere in here where Bombay shows up in a suit and uh, Averman asks him if he got two pairs of pants with that. Then I got a legitimate chuckle out of me. <laughs> I know it's a hacky old joke, but it really worked for me. But we do also, like you, you were saying, we get some scenes of them. I mean, we'll talk about them playing street hockey in a bit, but also like going to Rodeo Drive. We see them in practice. We see them out getting ice cream. Like we just get to see the team chilling and just being like whole human beings in places and it's nice we get to see them skating around the 1990s and i yeah. I, I think that's enough for me that's enough for me to be like oh, oh i remember when i didn't have to think about all these horrible things because i was yeah. blissfully unaware right yeah that's a lot of what yeah like 80s and 90s nostalgia is for me is not like Remember when the world was less crappy? Because the world was certainly equally crappy, maybe even more so. I just personally didn't know about it and did not feel like I had a response to it. Right. Remember when I was stupid and it wasn't my responsibility to fix things? Wasn't that nice? Old enough that it was my job to fix things? (laughs) Wasn't wasn't that neat before we realized the ungodly burden that's on our shoulders? (laughs) 
Boy, and somewhere in here, so again, we, we see him get some easy wins, and it's kind of cut against, and again, this is another montage, by the way, the the wins against Italy and Trinidad and Tobago, uh, we, we meet Ross, and then we also, this is where we see uh, Fulton and Dean, like, hanging out, getting ready for bed or something, and they decide to listen to some music, and it is BTO. <laughs> God, why this choice? It's I, so weird. I do not understand it, Mark. I they could have picked anything. <laughs> I I feel like um they could have had like this is not a dunk on ABBA by any means. Sure, they could have had ABBA coming band. out of of this. Yeah, right. We, like we stand ABBA, we're, it's all good. But <laughs> that would be a very weird choice if "Take a Chance on Me" suddenly started playing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Look, it would have it's that same level of absurd and yet somehow BTO takes me back even more. Like <laughs> it was at this moment that I realized, oh, those kids aren't cool. Those are those are just kids who like have really internalized a, a weird brand of toxic masculinity from their dads and really love their dads. Yeah. That's what's happening with these characters. It recontextualized them entirely to me. <sighs> oh, <laughs> they're both so into it they're like they're air guitaring on their hockey sticks they are it's <laughs> the absurdity that they would blast music that loud and then lay down and go to bed peacefully right was ridiculous right. to begin with and then it cuts back to them jamming out to her i'm like well like sure but also it's bto what are you, ca- <laughs> what are you guys kids? doing <laughs> i they sure were working overtime and I don't understand why I don't, I, my brain is having such a problem with it. <laughs> they make this choice in this movie, but they did. And whatever, whatever we can move on. I don't want to just sit here and be confused by the inclusion of Bachman right. Turner overdrive and D to the mighty ducks in 1994. Right. <laughs> They could have at least went for like Pearl Jam. It would have been a little on the nose, but at least like in, within the cultural space. You got Hole, you got Alice in Chain. Like there was all sorts of weird grunge going on in 94. It was, yeah, that whole era of everyone trying to be Nirvana, but worse. And right, yeah. I don't like <laughs> you could have picked any number of bands that were Nirvana, but worse. And you said right. a band Bachman that was definitely overdrive. I don't. Yeah, like. Why? 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 I don't. I just don't understand the choice. Is what's getting me. It's, Maybe I they guess were... it works. Like I said, you can backfill it and be like, "Oh, they just really idolize their dad's shitty music." But it is whatever it is. And I'm not hating on BTO necessarily by any means. Like, there's. I'm not going to act like like my dad didn't listen to BTO and therefore sure. I wasn't exposed to BTO during the time of this movie. But like. I don't know. This feels weird. It just well, feels so is, fucking weird. This is our answer for for our Rotten Tomatoes fan commenter Matthew Malloy when he asked, "Where are the Canadians?" Right there. It's in right Bachman here. Bachman Turner Overdrive. All right. We some, did it. Some, somewhere in this movie now is a giant polar bear with sunglasses. Sure. <laughs> which is the beginning of our pivot to asshole Bombay. He's taking media interviews. He's doing promotional shots. He's buying suits. Yep. He uh, is letting his the money and the fame go to his head. It he's took all his- of like four days for Bombay to make this yeah. reversion. 
Look, he, I mean, he was a privileged white boy who only seemed to care about people who were worse off whenever he suddenly became worse off. Right, right. So him reverting right back to this actually tracks for me, Mark. <laughs> that he, like, jumped right back into a place of privilege and was like, yeah, I am the shit, and fuck everybody else. Yeah, yeah, it, it, uh, it uncomfortably lines up. While he's doing that, some of the team is going to head to Rodeo Drive yeah not rodeo drive as our uh, our cowboy seems confused by so so the the movie talks us through that joke right it's either like gee or averman right Uh, because someone's like he Dwayne says like oh rodeo drive perfect for me the cowboy and someone's like no it's rodeo drive which i know like you shouldn't explain your joke like that's bad storytelling. But for me, the 12 year old boy who certainly had never heard of Rodeo Drive, I needed that for that joke to land. It worked for that character, for sure. <laughs> and then, then they follow that up with a weird Aaron spelling joke. Who was that yeah. joke for? I the moms in the audience? I you know the guy who made Dynasty and Melrose Place? Right. Uh, also, I, Seventh Heaven, that guy? Seven, that is Aaron Spelling. You're right. Mark, you would not believe the amount of talk that it's, this isn't going to make any sense to anybody, but, but I guess me and, and you maybe, but like I've talked about Seventh Heaven not at all in the last 10 years of my life at least. Right. And then I have talked about it a lot within the last two weeks of my life. It's, <laughs> it's so weird that this. Amazing. Where, how did we, Aaron Spelling is how we got here. <laughs> Aaron yeah, Spelling. Spelling's how it got here. Which I think was a double, I'm pretty sure it was a double, because like they're walking down Rodeo Drive, and someone's like, mm. wasn't that the captain from the love boat? Which, yep. it's a weird reference, right? Like, I know the love boat was on for a long time, but the love boat's a weird reference. That is, uh, that's a reference that I recognize every time watching this movie because it just fascinates me while that why that was a choice but i guess tying this all together with the aaron spelling joke kind of makes right work. i think that's the double joke because that was a spelling show gavin mcleod by the way captain of the love boat <laughs> of course you would know this go ahead uh, yeah well i also know ted lange and bernie capel because they show off in an episode of boy meets world and they're oh my God. in an episode of boy meets world <laughs> <laughs> All roads lead to Boy Meets World with you. They it's sure incredible. do. <laughs> oh, all right. So, yeah. So, they they drop Aaron Spelling's name to get into some fancy clothing shop. Yeah. For some reason, they went in the fancy clothing store. I, I'm not yeah. entirely sure why they needed that. But they do it just so that we can have some teenage boys objectifying grown women. Yeah, who are all wearing, by the way, objectively modest clothing throughout. Yeah, it's so absurd, Mark. It's the weirdest. It's the weirdest scene because these these teenage boys are in there ogling fully dressed women, showing off yep. these outfits. And like, what is the tone here? What was the decision that was made in the writers' room? Where like, we want people to know that boys are disgusting and creepy, but we want to play it as family friendly as possible. Right? Like, there's a minute where the camera lingers on a woman's lower calf. Yes. 
And like that happened, and I was like, "Am I supposed to feel something <laughs> right? as a red-blooded American? Am I supposed to see that calf and be like, oh, cha cha, look at that lady? <laughs> right? What's happening? Look at the gams on that team. <laughs> right? It, it very much feels like a, a reaction in the 1950s that your <laughs> worst up uncle would like react to. I." It's a choice. I I do not understand it. It feels so weird, and I don't know. It's going to be... So this is like Goldberg, Dwayne, maybe Charlie, Averman, Jesse, I think. Like, it's that, it's that group. It's going to be followed up very quickly by a far more sincere and endearing scene of the Bash brothers who are out cruising for chicks. Yeah, I... And it's only endearing because one of them's like, hey, hey, pretty lady, nice night for a stroll, huh? And yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't. It, and, and then his, bu- his buddy's like, great job, man. Look at you. You did it. It was so charming. It's it so was good. so it was so good. Like, I feel like we're. S- oh, my God. It's incredible. <laughs> I, those two scenes back to back somehow encapsulates this like weird chip on the shoulder, nice guy attitude right? that like nerds growing up had. <laughs> and that like we we have we have like the dumpy like nerds like actively like sexualizing these adult women right, while like right. under false pretenses to like try and get and just being gross. And then like we have these just like the two, two jocks like two yeah golden retriever as jogs just like <laughs> strolling through the fucking just very nicely being like lovely night for a walk isn't it ladies and then the <laughs> ladies a couple walk of off, like very age appropriate young women and they don't get angry they don't get upset nope. it's just the, the one guy turns to the other and is just like hey good job you broke out of your comfort zone and talked to them like it was <laughs> it was so sweet i loved it i unabashedly pun unintended for once yeah <laughs> enjoyed it me too it's very those two and they do also see their coach out having an ice cream with the lady coach of iceland like the assistant coach yeah this is the part i don't understand mark it's like why are they so upset about this <laughs> this feels like this weird like xenophobic like impulse that they have that they're like oh they're from not america they're the be- yep. they're the mean bad people you know the other whitest nation on earth fucking <laughs> right Iceland, what a weird like- trip by the way that iceland because we've kind of glossed over this so far but from the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie it sets up iceland as like the big bad yeah such that for a small window of time when i was a kid my brain sort of associated iceland and russia for no reason other than this movie which very clearly wants to be about russia but is for some reason instead about iceland like russia is a traditional hockey superpower russia is like it's like canada u.s and russia are historically the big three this movie is very clearly about russia why is it iceland (laughs) The, I think it's because, well, the Berlin Wall just fell, and the Soviet Union fell, and we're supposed to be playing nice with Russia now in this particular time period as they move more away from uh, yep. what so they were. I, 
I looked up an interview with Stephen Brill, the writer, because I did more prep for this Ooh, episode of the podcast than I did you. for any other episode. And you are exactly right. He was like, no, you know, we didn't want to make Russia look like the bad guys because they're our friends now. That take aged poorly, but all right. <laughs> right. But yeah, that's very much what. And then he was like, well, I thought briefly about Germany, but you know. That story's been told, so Iceland. Story's been told? <laughs> like we didn't have a like a white nationalist problem in the 90s? <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, god damn. That's, so, yeah, that's absurd. Just Iceland. And, and they are, like, Germany their coach is in is this named, movie. Yeah, but, Germany's like, around. The big bad. Iceland's coach is named Wolf, and their star player is named Gunner. We've we've met yep. both of them in the movie. We ha- we haven't really talked about it yet, but they've showed up. Wolf's nickname is yeah. the dentist, which is like Wolf the dentist is a really weird combination of sounds to my ear. His name's already Wolf. He didn't need a nickname, particularly one as boring as the dent. Like I get it. He knocked out a bunch of teeth. Ha ah. His name's Wolf. Wolf is already very good. Yeah, you couldn't do like the Iceman or something, sure, or, right? Like, like you could have something a little more intimidating. The dentist is weird. Like <laughs> well, he, he knocked out a bunch of because that's famously what dentists do. Yeah, they knock your they they punch <laughs> you in the face repeatedly on an ice rink right. and knock all your teeth out. That's why definitely not famous do. for fixing teeth. No, breaking teeth no. primarily is what dentists don't be do. absurd. But he was in the NHL for a season, knocked out a bunch of teeth, and got like sent out of the league. Which does not happen, by the way. If you are a good enough <laughs> hockeyman, you can be as much Hockey of a bastard man? as you want to, and teams will keep paying you, and the league will refuse to make you go away. Sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do like that we that just like every coach ever, that it's just two like white men who didn't live up to their dreams of like wanting to play the professional sport who are coaching. <laughs> yeah. I enjoy that. <laughs> All right, so somewhere in here, uh, Julie Gaffney sits down for a talk with Coach Bombay, and she's like, Coach, I would really like to play for, you know, a minute somewhere. Mm. Mm -hmm. And he says the, what is admittedly very accepted hockey wisdom, like this is Hockey 101, anyone who watches hockey can utter this phrase, you got to go with the hot glove, which means, you know, when your goalie's winning, you don't stop starting him. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Here's what here, here's the thing though, Bombay, is that uh, Julie has not gotten to really be a character for most of this movie. Yeah, she's just kind of there, uh, even though we know that like she is definitively a better goalie than Goldberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, you, you guys were clearly clowning on Italy at some point. Mm. also accepted hockey wisdom when you're winning that much get your backup goalie in there so they don't go cold goldberg's got a hot glove great games in hand put gaffney in there for the third period that way if you need her she has a bit of recent experience that's a dumb excuse kind of i gotta stay with goldberg he's got the hot hand garbage as uh, a noted sportsman and uh, enthusiast (laughs) and lover of the game i agree mark i I know what's going on Sometimes I get tired of how much you only want to talk about sports. <laughs> I mean, understandable. I just can't shut up about it. Yeah. I had to fight you to not make this a sports podcast. We were just going to talk yep. about like the Major League Baseball Championships 1929 and onwards. 
Yep, it was going to be called On the Ball. It was only going to be about <laughs> circus acts, professional sports, and testicles. That was our three <laughs> That's it. big things. That's it. <laughs> but we retooled it. Mark bullied me into doing this about movies. Right? And so I hate that we're doing this on mic, I, but it's out there now. So. And somehow, like, you made it through a few seasons and you got so sick of this podcast that you forced me to do some sports movies so you could at least talk a little bit about sports in our movie podcast. And now here we are. Yeah. I walked in here and I said, Mark, noted hockey hater, we're going <laughs> right. to do a, a hockey series right fucking now. <laughs> and then you replied, there's not even any balls in that. And I said, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> what about the beach ball that gets destroyed in the second movie and you're like you're right you're right yeah fine all right point taken Mm -hmm. i have been overwhelmed by your logic i guess we'll talk about the mighty ducks never doubt my sportsmanship that's what that's what sportsmanship is right (laughs) all right boy where are we (laughs) oh we, we are at the actual iceland game now okay cool right so uh Iceland just like dismantles Team USA. They win eleven to one. Also within the Ducks game, uh, mm-hmm. Adam Banks, the cake eater, takes a slash. Like someone takes a hockey stick down across his wrist. Uh, yep. That's going to become significant. Yeah, that's going to be. Uh, I'm going to hide my injury for the next several games. Right. Because this movie at some point remembers that Adam Banks is supposed to be very good at hockey, but there's nothing written in this movie for Adam Banks to be good at hockey. Yeah, we spend very little time on these kids can do cool hockey superpower shit in this movie for a movie that seems totally based around the fact there's a bunch of kids doing superpowered hockey bullshit. We just get a lot of kids (laughs) goofing off being kids in between these sports matches. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. Right. So they get they get destroyed in that game. Uh there is a point here finally in like the third period when they're losing badly where mm-hmm. Bombay pulls Goldberg. Uh but two Iceland players are casually sexist. Julie like nuts them both and gets thrown out of the game. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, valid. Sure, yeah. I do appreciate for a movie that's in the 90s, this movie at least makes a little bit of an attempt to let its female characters stand on their own feet. Yeah, they don't get, like, much camera time or, like, a lot to say in the script, especially Marguerite Moreau uh, in this yeah. movie. She's, like, she's just kind of there. Um, yeah, yeah, She doesn't yeah. get to do or say much of anything. Really a pity. This is, the, like, after this game, Don Tibbles pulls Bombay aside. He's like, listen, Team USA isn't isn't here to back losers. <laughs> right. She's <laughs> a very American attitude. I'm giving you a bunch of money. Please stop losing. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's very American to believe that like we could just buy our way into whatever we want. Right, right. Well, it we seems paid like Iceland's paying off the refs, so whatever. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the attitude cuts both ways. It's not just a uniquely American thing. Iceland oh, is always- uh, oh, yeah. I mean, across the history of... Uh, I believe they humankind. call it paying off... Yeah, see, I believe paying off the refs rather than just investing a ridiculous amount of money into your players up front is referred to in hockey as the nordic model correct me if i'm incorrect <laughs> well i mean you are the sportsman among the two of us so <laughs> take your yeah and therefore that. i have decided this is 100 percent factually accurate <laughs> i can say and do whatever i want now <laughs> and become the living god <laughs> Uh, 
it also strikes me as absurd because Don Tibbles, as we've discussed earlier, is the boss of presumably all of the junior world junior right, athletes. Right. That's accurate. As noted, are one hundred percent of Americans winning games, or is he having this pep yes. talk with everyone who's not winning gold presently? You haven't showing up to like thirteen-year-old swimmers and screaming at them, which yeah, I'm given 100%. to understand that's basically the life of an Olympian. So. Yeah, this is absolutely what he's doing. He is pulling money from anyone who loses even once. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Just some more insider knowledge for you. Uh, pro wrestling, absolutely real, actually. I know you ah. would think not so, but you know what isn't real? Turns out, Major League Baseball, just completely made up. It's all staged. <laughs> it's all It's all just for the theater of it all. Yeah. It's all just about the storylines <laughs> and the characters when it comes to baseball. Oh, man. So after this game, we all have to be reminded that it's really about the love of the sport. And the movie's going to it's going to bring Jan back. He's going to shut down the skate sharpening store. <laughs> yeah. And uh fly over here to California to yell at Bombay. <laughs> I want a short film that's just him slowly making his way to California. <laughs> Deeply shut down his shop. Just watch, just we just for 40 minutes of the film, we just watch him on like <laughs> sitting in a plane, and it's just like this quiet, contemplative, uh, like in flight. Could it just be experience. like a black and white foreign film with subtitles? Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> He's watching Space Jam as his in flight movie. Right. <laughs> so, while while Jan is reminding Bombay uh, about the love of sport. Now, Russ Tyler is going to show up to remind Team USA how much they love hockey by taking them to play street hockey against his street hockey team. It's another montage, but it's good. I like it. Yeah. We introduced to Russ's brother, who I'm pretty sure doesn't have a name. (laughs) And it's just (laughs) Russ's brother. I don't remember them ever mentioning a name. (laughs) He shows up to watch the games after this point, and yet... We, this character has known it. He's like, he's one of the lead character's brothers. We didn't walk around calling Jesse's brother Jesse's brother that whole first movie, did we? <laughs> his his technical name, according to the script, is James. Okay. His actual sure. real life. So the character's name is James, which mm-hmm. James Tyler, possibly the most boring name in the film. Actual yeah. real life human mm-hmm. who plays James Tyler Hit me. Vesalius Rion Shannon. Oh, man, that's a name. That's such a, that's his real name, and he's just playing some dude named James. Wait, can I get that name one more time? And I'm pretty sure it's Rihanna. Vesalius Rion Shannon. Oh, Rion. Rion. <laughs> Vesalius Rion Shannon. Man, that's a cool ass name. I know. <laughs> okay. Nope. Just it's James. James, the older brother of. Okay. Ross. Yeah, and we get introduced to the knuckle puck here. Yeah, <laughs> which is somehow even dumber than Fulton's power shot. Yeah, it's just Fulton's power shot, but more. It's <laughs> That's what's happening here, right? Is it in this movie where we get Fulton's power shot and it's like, that's got to leave a mark on their hand. They take off the glove and it's like a literal like indent yeah. of the puck in the It hand. was in the Iceland match a little bit ago. Okay. That was like a big deal. It was like, oh, no, he stopped Fulton's he power it. shot. Yeah. yeah. 
Yep. Um, it was very, it was very like, oh, oh, oh no, he just deflected my, my laser power, whatever <laughs> bullshit in a fucking right. Dragon Ball Z episode. <laughs> so the, he just tanked it. The knuckle puck is mm-hmm. presumably a riff on the major league baseball pitch, the knuckleball. Right. Which is kind of famous for its erratic and hard to predict movement, right? The knuckleball kind of jerks around in the air. Is I know you said erratic, but my brain didn't hear erratic. <laughs> erotic. <laughs> the knuckle, and I, the knuckleball, and famously the, the most erotic of baseball the, pitches. God, that puck is so goddamn sexy. Like the <laughs> idea that they would just see it spinning and be like too flabbergasted and lost in lust to actually defend the goal. <laughs> Is a very funny concept to me. Yeah, I it, it makes sense that it's like, and I can confirm this as noted sportsman uh, that it is a play on the knuckleball from uh, right, right. fake fake sport American baseball. <laughs> Absolutely. Have we have we drilled this bit into the ground yet? Are we are we done with it? So I will say this street hockey game is very fun, and like it, there's there's legitimate heart to that bit of the movie maybe just because the kids are clearly having fun doing it whatever but it like it's a good scene and russ's older brother is teaching ken Wu how to fight yeah i like that i like that a lot very fun yep (laughs) i like russ's older brother i just want him like he just seems like a nice dude i just want him in the movie more (laughs) yeah he's a very fun character his deliveries are all very good he seems again like weirdly sincere. He just he's a yeah. he's a fella who loves him some hockey and also loves helping younger fellows get their lives together. The way that he treats Ken Wu in particular is like great. He's like, "Hey man, he's like, don't be a, here's how you'd stand up for yourself in this situation. He's like, let me help the little guy out real quick." Yeah. Between that and his like he does have a big mouth, doesn't he? That scene between those two things, I yeah. feel like I know his character enough to be like, I like this kid. I like him. Yep. <laughs> so now everyone is remembering that they love hockey. Uh, the next game is against Germany and Bombay's just not here. And I don't think the movie's ever going to justify why. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's just going to show up like towards the ass end of it with a duck call for reasons. <laughs> duck call. Yeah. And the movie's like, it's great, he learned his lesson now. But, like, was he learning his lesson during the first period? Why didn't he show up in time? Why? Yeah, like, what's the deal, Bombay? Like, were you, <laughs> like, get your shit together. These kids depend on you. You're the adult in this situation. <laughs> right. I know you clearly have some weird classist, like, bullshit you've internalized to work sure. out off camera <laughs> while we're watching these kids we actually care about do their thing. But, like, show up to the game, dude. <laughs> Is very weird. So Charlie has to be like. What was he going to do if she didn't try to be like the interim coach? Was he just going to show up blowing his thing to like an empty stadium and be like, oh, I (laughs) fucked it up for everybody. Way to go, Bombay. What what was his plan? Charlie's. Yeah. This beat is here so that Charlie can kind of be a coach, right? Because he's like, oh, that's our assistant coach, McKay. So their their teacher has to step in. And then Charlie's basically going to coach the game. Mm -hmm. And that's setting up Charlie's like third act. Yeah, I have some things to say about Charlie, I think, moving forward in these podcasts. Like, mostly that (laughs) I feel like he should have been the coach that they brought back when they did the Disney Plus series. Is that, like, it should have been Charlie that was in the coaching position. 
Maybe that they'll do that now that we know correct. the not best sheen is not going to be returning. <laughs> ah, okay. All right. So Bombay shows up blowing his duck whistle or whatever. I guess it's fine. The team throws the flying V out there. It's the first time we've seen the flying V this movie. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they, they, and they beat Germany. Hooray. And then we get another training montage uh, while Gordon Bombay burns his his coach this, thing. Yeah, this bit is weird. It doesn't play right. And I don't think it even played right when it came out where he's aping the like 1980s drug PSAs or whatever. Where yep, like, this is yep. your brain on drugs. Yep. This, this, this is, is a this distraction. Is your, this yeah. is a fire in a barrel. What? <laughs> fire sure. in a barrel. That's a thing. Yep. destruction in a fire barrel any questions and we don't the, the, the cadence of him saying this is a distraction in a fire in a barrel pushes all of those things together in one word mm-hmm. in a way that um uh, much like take the fall actor get indignant my little brother and i repeat to each other ad nauseum uh, this is whatever <laughs> this is that thing in a fire in a barrel because i love the cadence of in a fire in a barrel all mushed together fire in a barrel Fire in a barrel. That is very pleasing, like phonetically to say. Try yeah. it home, listener. <laughs> but it is a very weird way to make his point. Like, uh, I guess we'll just burn a yeah. thing like we're in, a, as you say, and, like we're in an 80s drug commercial. And they're just chill with it. The ozone was a concern in the early yep. 90s. <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to another Burn training Gully just came out. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, right. Free Willy's so around. Being very indignant. <laughs> and we're gonna train our way back to teamwork you know we're gonna yeah we're gonna have some fun we're gonna do some drills it does end with bombay and coach wolf oh no that's a little later that's in the next training montage because first we're gonna see a couple of more games uh bombay's gonna bench adam like he's finally paying attention enough to realize that adam's wrist is in big trouble right and Charlie shows up and he's like, hey, coach, it's me, Coach Junior. I have found us a new recruit. You know how I always said I'd be a better coach than a player? A thing that I've never said on camera over these movies. never came up before. The whole movie was about how I was getting very good at hockey last time. Remember that last movie? like Bombay's just like, yeah, that's definitely a thing I've heard you of say course, before. Sure. Yes. <laughs> because you need to have a character arc in this movie. And that the seems like good and hockey character arcs are belonging to other people. <laughs> right. We definitely talked about this over the phone during those two years that <laughs> right. I was away. And your mom found somebody else to be with. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I'm not bitter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And then we have the training montage after that where Bombay right. does three bar with the dentist. <laughs> yeah. And the dentist kneecaps him because, of course, he did. That's the only move he has is to hurt people. We established yep. that earlier. We see the Ducks win a couple more games. Uh, and now it's time for the championship. It's the Ducks in Iceland, as expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam is miraculously healed. He Yeah, he got all better in those one to two days off. <laughs> yeah, he's like, check it out, coach. My arm ain't fucked up no more. <laughs> and coach is like, ah, oh, great. Um, and then Charlie benches himself so that Russ can play. And they have like his knuckle puck on their arsenal. Yeah. And he's like, I'm, yeah. a, I'm, a, I'm a coach. I'm going to do the coach thing with y'all. See, I guess that's, that's how we know you're a good now. captain. You stop playing the sport. Yeah. <laughs> All the best captains sure. aren't needed. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> All right. And now, man, it's time for the Iceland game, which, to this sports movie's credit, takes a solid 20 minutes. Like, of the hour and 35 yeah. minutes of this movie, 20 minutes of it are the Iceland game. This game yeah, feels, has its own narrative arc. It feels like we're actually playing hockey in this hockey movie. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad that's happening. Finally, <laughs> <laughs> the ducks fall behind early. They're frustrated. They're not quite the, the game's not quite together. I think at, by like the beginning of the second period, they're down four to nothing. Yeah. That Russ tries right. to, to get off the knuckle puck and thankfully the movie points out that like any reasonably good hockey team would not allow enough time for that play to develop because he's got to like kick the puck up on the end. like it takes a minute and the movie's like yeah we see him setting that up we're just gonna steal the puck while he does it problem solved right like i th- it, it very much all the things that they like that are wrong i guess it kind of like fixes in this in this like one game where it's like all the ridiculousness of like here's our spe- here's my special ability i'm gonna use the knuckle puck and like or like even fulton who where he stops and he wants like all these little moments yep. the flying v famously fails yep. here and i'm i'm just like thank you it's so dumb it's a, <laughs> it's not a good it's not a good move the fact i love it because it's like dun, 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 and they're playing the mighty ducks theme and they're like oh and they're v and then Isla just like pushes them over like what the Sit fuck down. are you doing <laughs> we're playing a hockey game what is this nonsense <laughs> ken Wu does get to get away with doing like a triple sow cow or something yeah that's fine he needed a moment in this movie yep yep and he scores which is nice yep it all like they claw their way back in mostly through just playing very good and sound hockey right like they they get their heads down they focus there's a minute where some guy keeps taking a run at Connie because she is a very good hockey player. Mm-hmm. We, not that and, we get to see much of it in this movie. Right. Uh, and so Dwayne lassos him. Yeah. Which is Dwayne dumb. And he's like, we, this is, we don't treat ladies like that where I'm from, uh, which accurate, I suppose you, uh-huh. <laughs> you treat them far worse where you're from. That's, <laughs> That's not wrong. <laughs> oh, shit. We don't treat ladies like that. just take away their individual bodily autonomy. That's what we do. Hey, we don't outwardly abuse them in public like this. We just right. infantilize them and keep them at home, cooking and cleaning <laughs> and exploiting their domestic labor. <laughs> Which, thankfully, Connie just rolls her eyes. She's like, I guess thanks, but I can fight my own battles. Yeah, just like thanks, but I'm not a lady. I'm a duck. Which I, 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 that phrase on its own is very funny to me. It's so funny, so and she delivers context. it so sincerely. What is such a goofy line? I like. I deeply want the queer community to just appropriate that <laughs> saying of "I'm not a lady. I'm a duck." Anybody who's like gender non-conforming, just be like, right. I'm not a blank, I'm a duck. And just mean it with the utmost sincerity. Right, it's the new uh, uh, not a girl from The Good Place. Yeah, yeah. Very very much Janet, not a girl uh, yep. energy. <laughs> not a lady, I'm a duck. I'm not a lady, I'm a duck. <laughs> That's great. 
ultimately Russ is going to tie the game up like as time is expiring by dressing up like Goldberg so that they can't <laughs> see him getting off the knuckle puck. Now, Mark, uh, I am the noted sportsman on this podcast, sure. yep. clearly. But I just want to know uh, if you'd ever heard of whether something like this would be. And I know the answer, clearly, because I'm <laughs> right, a sportsman. Right. But how on the up and up would you say this is on a scale of one to ten <laughs> on a thing that could actually happen and not have them immediately thrown out of the game? No, yeah. You have to designate your goalies before the game. You're, you're allowed to designate goalies before the game starts. And those are the people that are allowed to be in the goal. Exactly right, Mark. Thank you for clarifying that for the listener and definitely not for me, noted sportsman. Well, you know, maybe, maybe, I don't know, like maybe the world juniors have like a, there's no rules about dogs playing basketball <laughs> no, or something. Dog can't play basketball. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'd love if that was the case. I want to see that crossover so bad. <laughs> Mighty Ducks and Air Bud. I, oh my God. Yes. I want to see a dog play hockey <laughs> so bad, Mark. You have no idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what we have uh, some other moments that happened during this isn't part because I don't think we did. Like there was Air Bud, and then there was Air uh-huh. Bud Golden Receiver, where he played football. <laughs> yeah, of course. There was Air Bud World Pup, where he played soccer. World Cup. Uh-huh. And then, ah, oh, what was the what was the volleyball one? Seventh, no, the baseball was seventh inning fetch. Seventh inning fetch. <laughs> and I'm oh, pretty I sure so many of these. I'm pretty sure there was a volleyball one, but I don't think there was ever a hockey one. I, so we we've never I seen a dog like, play hockey. I feel like Disney owes like damages to people in my age bracket because I. <laughs> revisiting something like Airbud now all i can think about is all the kids who went home picked up a basketball looked at their dog and just threw a basketball at their dog <laughs> waiting for something incredible to happen <laughs> like they spurred animal abuse and i know this for a fact because i was in like fourth and fifth grade when it happened i said yo dog come here <laughs> <laughs> can you play basketball no and then i threw it the dog did not respond the correct way and i felt so horrible <laughs> and so i feel like disney owes us all for emotional damage to the children and physical damage to the dogs involved man like some of the air are you familiar with the air buddies mm-hmm Right, some I know of those of them. movies I have not seen like, had to them. stop because dogs died so they definitely owe damages Oh, I'm not surprised. If we just did this at the beginning, we could have avoided that whole situation. Do you know how many, like, if we wanted to do, if we wanted to to do the Air Bud movies on this (laughs) year's podcast, it would take 14 episodes. No. Well, how many of them were in theaters? Oh, probably just the Air, maybe the, maybe Air Buddies, like the first of that, but I'm saying five or six. So I... This is who knows if this will make the podcast either. My Don't you love it when we plan things on mic, listener? <laughs> my wife's grandmother, who was an incredibly sweet, loving, like just a, a gem of a woman in all ways. Like one of the best humans I have ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, and very much like, you know, I've known Holly since I was 14. We've been dating since I was 20. Like, 
Grandma Ritzman was a figure in my life for a solid 20 years. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, but in the way that grandmas do, at one point, somewhere in my sister-in-law, my, my wife's younger sister's life, Grandma Ritzman got it into her head that uh, my wife's sister really liked Air Bud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like... That's just a thing like that grandmas do. can do, right? Like they, yeah, they hone in on one thing that you like, maybe like yes. for five seconds, or that yeah. didn't just immediately object to, and was like, "That's your thing from now on." In my head, and that's right. all they do. <laughs> so there were no kidding, like fourteen, six or seven of them were Air Bud movies, and then mm-hmm. like another six or seven were like the Buddies, like Bud's children sure. who could talk at a certain point. Like they yeah. became talking dog movies, and like the last choice. one of them, I'm pretty sure the the final one in the franchise was like they found a ring that gave them superpowers. I love it. I <laughs> look. There is no rule that says a dog can't get superpowers, Mark. Right, and use it to stop like an alien Superman from taking over the world. That sounds incredible. <laughs> That sounds the, that sounds incredible. I can't. I, how am I? I want more of that in my life. I want more of those types of movies to be made. Disney has the money. Just do Super Buddies from now until eternity. <laughs> One of them did get a sequel. Santa Paws. There was a Santa Paws too. Does that also star Tim Allen? <laughs> Is it, did they like zoom in on the card even further? And I was like, now you're also a dog. and he got shaggy dog flashbacks (laughs) i think george went was like uh norm from television's cheers i'm pretty sure he was santa claus in the air but in the santa bud santa paws movies okay (laughs) okay we have talked way too much and i know way too much about air bud we need to get back to our (laughs) hockey movie eventually sure sure we also get to see kenny woo being like an honorary badge brother during this like last yeah. bit of the movie because he I takes what he learned from james gets in a fight yeah and then yeah he and the badge brothers are just chilling for a bit and like he gets thrown in the penalty box and the other two come over to encourage him oh i love it when they're not just randomly being like you shouldn't be getting with foreigners bombay they're pretty <laughs> wholesome <laughs> <laughs> Russ dresses up as the goalie, which gives us the great moment of Wolf screaming, The goalie! The goalie! <laughs> I love it so much. He ties the game up and we go to a shootout, which is nice. I like the choice to make to bring it down to a shootout instead of a penalty shot because it lets us feature a bunch of ducks, right? So we get to see like four different yeah. ducks scoring, which is fun. A lot of people get to have a piece of the win here at the end. Although, yeah, on the nice. whole, because we had 20 minutes of ice time, mm-hmm. this movie felt much more like a team win. Like, we, we got to see everyone involved throughout the game. So, that was very cool. And in the very yeah. end, uh, Wolf taps Gunner, right? His, his specialty guy, his number one gun, to go out right. for... Uh, a chance to tie the game back up. So there, uh, there's a five shot shootout and across the first five shots, the ducks score four 
And across their first four shots, Iceland scores three. So Iceland has one shot left, one chance to tie it up, and it's Gunner. And this is where Bombay is like, all right, Julie, I guess you can have exactly one second of ice time. Get out there and watch for Gunner to go glove side. Yeah. It's why did you bench this character the whole time? It's ridiculous to me. And even when he lets her go in, he tells her what to do. He's not like, right. I trust you and your great instincts. Go stop him. He's like, listen, I know exactly what's happening. You just listen to me and go out and do what I tell you and we'll win. We have th- across both of these films, Mark, we have scenes where the entire team is shooting pucks at the goalies, respectively. And the one yep. for Goldberg is him being scared of the pucks. Yeah. And the one with Julie Gaffney is her stopping every single puck. Like 700 pucks at once. Why the fuck have we waited so long to see like this super goalie (laughs) do anything? Is it because we need to have a movie and we need dramatic tension and she's just too good? Maybe. But also, why are we benching like the only like other female character other than uh, Marguerite Moreau's character? Like why... (laughs) Right? Who already does like nothing in this movie? She seemingly exists to get saved by Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> we will redeem this a little bit in the next movie. Yeah. Where the stakes it, are much lower and it doesn't matter. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but Goldberg does eventually get converted to a defenseman because Julie is the better goalie. <laughs> As he should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, they win. Right? They win on Julie's fast glove, mm-hmm. and then there's a weird campfire montage over the end credits. Yeah, where they sing "We Are the Champions," which is the yeah. second Queen song in this movie. <laughs> <sighs> and now, now because this is the second movie in this mm-hmm. franchise, for the of first course. time here in season four, we get to do some <clears throat> ranking. We get to do the show. It's ranking time. It's ranking time. It's ranking time. Mark, let's hear. It. Let's talk. It. Let's hear. Let, I want you to defend your stance. All right. Uh, this is a bad movie. <laughs> I want to be clear. I love it. I love this movie uh, very much. This is a dumb movie. <laughs> sure. Across any number of vectors. Absolutely. It, I love these goofy sports movies. I particularly love this sports movie. There's a lot of characters that I like in this Mm -hmm. movie. Like the ducks are just cooler. We get to see more of them. We get to see each of them. We get the addition of several non-white Minnesotan characters. It's great. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I like this movie an awful lot, even though it's admittedly real dumb. I have always said that this is the best of the Mighty Ducks movies. It's not It's not a real hard contest, I think. We'll talk about Ducks 3 when it happens. Fair, fair. I, I, I will admit that as an adult, especially in the last couple of years as I've rewatched these movies, with the ones with Ivy a couple of years ago and now, uh, I increasingly find that the first one might stand up a little bit better just as a like a whole cinematic release. 
we talked sure, a little sure. bit about the sort of Disney Channelification of this movie, and I think yeah. that comes through for me a little bit more as a grown up. Whereas the first one definitely, like it's a it's a film for families, but it's definitely still. The first one feels a little bit more like the last of the 80s kids movies, whereas this one feels a little bit more like the first of the Disney wave of kid movies that are going to overwhelm the 80s and 90s. Yeah, I think this does kind of the 90s and 2000s, I should say. Yeah, I feel like this film sits at like a quantum superposition between like the Sandlot and Brink. It's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I know these rankings are obviously very subjective. And the point of this is just for us to talk about what our favorite movie is. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to break a little protocol though. And say, while I, I like D two slightly better, maybe I'm finally going to let myself acknowledge that the Mighty Ducks is the better film. And on rewatch, I think it's still my number one. Even though there are elements of Mighty Ducks 2 I like a lot more, Mighty Ducks holds up better as a movie, and I really enjoy revisiting it. So I'm going Mighty Ducks number one and D2, the Mighty Ducks, number two. I feel like you've locked in your entire ranking in this process. It was Uh, hard for me to, like, I really wrestled with this, uh, middle of last week when we were uh-huh. originally intending to record this episode when sure. i realized on that rewatch i was like i like this movie a lot I, I don't think it's as good of a movie i think the the smaller personal stakes for charlie and for gordon hold up mm-hmm. very very well like those are both interesting personal character stories whereas this is just like let's watch the good usa boys win the usa game yeah, it's hard for me because I like fair. so many of the ducks better in this movie, but I like the story of Charlie and Hans and Bombay in the first movie. It's a better movie. Okay. Okay. I don't think I expected that. Honestly, going in here's, I guess my here's, here's how we're, we're going to work things out on my end is that uh, I agree with you that it may be, in many ways, more competent filmmaking, the Mighty Ducks one, uh, D1, if you would. But I think that first movie is so boring. I think it's so boring, Mark. <laughs> is that like, it may be that more one. confidently put together, but I sit there and I'm just like, this. I'm bored. I don't care. And I'm a noted sportsman. So if it's not according right, to me, right. who is it for? <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I don't, it's it, the weird thing is like, I think you're right. Is that like, it's more complicated written and it's meant to be like a more intimate character focused story. And we're supposed to care more about the characters, but the opposite is true for me. And that like, I don't care about the characters as much in that first movie. Sure. That's and fair. That's very fair. I don't know how I can necessarily rationalize this, but like, I feel like just like my heart wants what it wants. And whereas like when we started this podcast back in season one, we did the turtle movies and I don't disagree that this kind of did Secret of the Ooze, the Mighty Ducks franchise. It did kind of go that route where it became Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. much more written towards children rather than being, you know, uh, a movie that was is for all ages and that children love. But I have more fun with this. one. I have more fun with these characters. Very fair. The, The interpersonal like 
and everything everybody feels just more alive and less milk toast in this movie <laughs> even if it has some absolutely cringeworthy dialogue uh yep. bombay's just redoing his character arc from the first one we get uh dollar tree brand hans it's 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 all secondary to uh these fun kids are doing a sport with their sport superpowers and having a good time while doing it. And something about yeah. it is just endlessly charming to me. So I agree that the mighty ducks is a better film, but I'm putting D two the mighty ducks at my number one spot, because I would rather watch this movie any day of the week than that first movie. It only took us until our second episode this season to have different rankings. That might be a record. No, this is, a, <laughs> this has to be a record has to be a record. <laughs> On that note, what's next? Well, next up, as one might assume, is D3, The Mighty Dugs. The third one sucks is a retrograde orbit radio production. If you like the show, the best thing you can do is tell your friends and make sure to rate and review it on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. If you want to get in touch or share suggestions about what we could cover in the future, you can contact us on Twitter at the third one sucks or email us at the third one sucks at gmail.com. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again in the sequel.